Welcome to Diner Talks with James. Slide into the booth and let's have conversations we never want to end with friends we never want to leave over food we probably shouldn't be eating. My friends, what is going on? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Diner Talks with James. I'm James, and I am super pumped to be here with you all today, as I am every single week. My friends, how the heck are you? Are you having a good time? The country's kind of a mess right now. A lot going on on our soil and outside of our soil. Uh, I hope that you are doing well and those that you love are safe and vaccinated. Anyway, um, so let us keep it moving, my friends. Let's keep it moving. I'm really excited. My friend, Talisha Joseph, is going to join us. Let me tell you about Talisha, because y'all ain't ready for all this, okay? She's coming with all the stories and all the attitude uh, and all of the right things to say. I'm really pumped for you to meet her. I've gotten to know her on the Clubhouse app, and I just really respect the way that she puts phrases together. She's taught me a lot. Um, So let me tell you about her. She is a keynote speaker and a network strategist who teaches small and mid-sized corporations effective networking strategies that will increase their audience and revenue. She has a company called The Official Glue that hosts regular bond building workshops for business owners, entrepreneurs, leaders, and independent sales professionals. She's all over social media. She's an incredible speaker, and I'm really pumped for you all to get to hang out with her in the diner. So let's bring her out right now, Tolisha Joseph. Hello, hello. Wow. Oh my goodness. When you turn it on, you turn it on, James. Let's go. My Let's gosh. Go. Come on now. I love that radio. That 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 essence is so nice. You let, you let <laughs> it drop into like the timber of the voice, right? You let it get I, it get I in there. It. The res the resonating power. Um, my goodness. I feel like I need to hire you just to be like my hype person. Just come up and come into the stage. I like love it. <laughs> well, I'll have a I'll have a voiceover. We'll send it to all of your different gigs and stuff like that. I always wanted to be, I don't know if you're a, a hip hop fan, uh, but they're like on all of, especially like the nineties, early two thousands hip hop. There are always those like clearly white person voiceovers on all of these. Like if you're not messing with Jay-Z, then what are you doing out here? Uh, last week, DMX dropped something fire. Where were you? Um, and I just was like, I could be that guy. I could be, I could get... <laughs> <laughs> Your aspirations was to be the white voice on the take. I got it. I feel like somebody has to do it, James. Somebody you know, has to do it. You know that boy got paid. So <laughs> <laughs> Talisha, how are you today? I am doing so well. You know, I am so excited that we finally got together to mm-hmm. get to do this thing because mm-hmm. it's a long time coming. I mean, we met in mm-hmm. January or something in, in Clubhouse Streets, you know, and they've been kicking, but I'm so excited to kick it with you today. I'm pumped that you are here, my friend. I am pumped that you are here. And you are right. We did meet, we did meet a while ago, but we finally get the rubber to the road here. So, uh, Talisha, this is called Diner Talks with James. And so uh, that's because I'm a fan of late night eating um, with friends, <laughs> namely. And I'm trying not to do it by myself. It's more on the sad side of things. But uh, but still, uh, so I'm wondering, I'm wondering if you have any late night guilty pleasures. Now, I know that you're down in Florida, um, and so they're there's some there's some diners down there because of all the New Yorkers that have made their way down to Florida. Um, but I'm wondering, like, what do you have a favorite late night food or guilty pleasure? Maybe it's even a snack in the cupboard or something like that. If people even call them cupboards anymore. Um, but what's what's your late night move? Well, <clears throat> so I love Twix and my husband is such an amazing man and he makes sure I have one in the freezer every day. So I have a Twix at night, every night before I go to bed, I have a Twix because I love Twix. I used to um, drink a lot of soda, but I quit. So Pepsi is my other heart. If Uh I always tell my husband, like if Pepsi was a man, I'd marry him. (laughs) Like that's how (laughs) much I love Pepsi, but we had to get a divorce because he wasn't treating me right. So I had to divorce Pepsi. Um, But I mean, now I I do have, man, I'm just a foodie. Honestly, you ask me, I love food. I'm a fat girl at heart. I love food. Food. And thank God that it doesn't show really because I'm not huge, but I I definitely could be. 
I could mm-hmm. be huge because I love to eat. And, um, you know, I went through this phase and me and my husband would take long drives for hamburgers. So there's this place called Cheeseburger Baby here and it's on South Beach. And we go, we I live in Fort Lauderdale. So to drive yeah, to Miami is like 45 minutes for a hamburger. That's crazy. And like I sent him on gyro runs in the middle of the night because I love some gyros. <laughs> um when I was pregnant with my younger son, Taco Bell was my jam. Like there every night I'd be like Taco Bell, steak chalupas, Supreme always, you know, so I just love food. So you mm-hmm. got the right one mm-hmm. on this show because Let's we go. can talk about that for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and we might, and we might. I love that you're a, uh, that, that Twix is your go-to candy bar and frozen Twix at that. Not the, you're not talking about the, because Twix makes an ice cream bar, but you're just talking about an actual Twix stuck in the freezer, correct? My chocolate has to be frozen. Like it does wow. not taste good if it's not frozen. I like to like bite it. Like I want to like snap that, <laughs> that. And Twix are so good frozen. I don't know why people think that warm chocolate is the thing. No, get that thing frozen, <laughs> like solid where it's like clamp, clamp. Uh-huh. And you, it'll change your whole life. <laughs> change your whole life. Uh, that's that is that's amazing. Now, do you eat? So, I guess I was going to ask if you eat your Twix in any specific way, but since they're frozen, there's really only one way to eat them. Like you said, you just got to kind of like snap through them. Oh, well, the thing is with Twix, mm-hmm. right? We have this running thing because I'm a lefty. So, mm-hmm. you know, Twix has the left and the right. So, my husband yeah. only buys me left Twix. <laughs> he only buys me left Twix. Oh, I'm glad the and marketing so- worked on somebody. <laughs> yeah, it worked on it worked on him because he's like, I will only buy left Twix. So I only buy left Twix and I love to eat them frozen. He buys the king size one, so I eat two a mm. night. <laughs> That's mm. like my my guilty pleasure. Um I love Twix. So yeah. yeah now it's now will you will you break away from the OG Twix? Do you ever do the peanut butter Twix? I've done them all. I've had the like they had this one that was like Oreos. Yep. Like I've tried them all. I actually like the white chocolate, but we can't find it. It's not, it's like a special edition. I guess you can't find it. Yeah. It's not on the shelves, but they have white chocolate twigs, which are really, really good. But I'm a classic. I love just give me the old school classic Twix and I'm good to go. Oh, nothing wrong with the OG. Like nothing if y'all want to send me a gift, send me a case of Twix. <laughs> <laughs> but not the right ones. Um, we laugh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's such a fun fact. I love that. Uh, I am. I also. I'm a fan of cold uh, chocolate as well. But I, I can eat it at room temperature. Like I don't need it necessarily melting all over my hands. But uh, yeah, like for example, I think Reese's cups are better room temperature than they are frozen. But some people oh, would fight no, me no, on no, that. No, no. See, you would fight. I me on that. I would fight you on that. The white. <laughs> Reese's cups, uh-huh. pop them bad boys in the freezer. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Do you remember how? I don't know, um, but I remember when I was a kid in kindergarten, my teacher and I was telling my husband this the other day. It's so funny, but we had like I had amazing teachers, and one of my teachers, um, we she taught us how to make peanut butter balls. Mm. So that was like something we did in school. We made peanut yeah. butter balls, and from that day, I'm like cold peanut butter cold peanut butter right so good and i think that's why i love the cold reese's cups because they remind me of the peanut butter balls that we had in kindergarten they take you right back to that moment that's the power of food though right food transports us food takes (laughs) us on a journey really like the spices of life honestly like but i think everything for me i'm a very sentimental human and Mm -hmm. everything has sentimental value for me like the clothes that i wear i can remember like oh you know i wore this i bought this sweater for this and or you know i did my hair this way i bought like everything that i own has sentimental value so everything jars my memory and takes me back to a space yeah (laughs) Now, whenever I hear that someone has sentimental, like they just think they're super sentimental about things, sometimes my brain also jumps to, oh, this person's a hoarder Um, (laughs) because it's hard to throw away, right? Like when everything has value, like when you think about uh, the whole, was it uh, Marie Kondo thing, right? Like you hold it up and like, does this have worth or whatever you're supposed to say. Um, And uh, if for someone who can attach emotions to so many things, 
that's why, I mean, my mom always makes fun of me because she's like, why do you have so much crap? And I'm like, mom, it's not crap. There's memories in here. There's, <laughs> it, takes, it takes me back, mom. And she's like, I'm not going to help you pack for another move until you get rid of some of this stuff. Why am I moving this for the fourth time? You've never opened this bin. And I was like, I don't have to open it to know what it matters. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's how I am. How do you feel about that? Well, I think part of it, and so just in full transparency, as a child, we moved a lot. Oh, okay. So um, I lost all my stuff, like everything. Like I, you know, so I have sentimental value to all the things that I purchased. They mean something to me. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I'm not really attached in that sure, way sure. where I need the item here. I just have the memory. So, you know, things that I keep are like birthday cards. I have a whole thing full of like cards. Those things really mean something to me because I can't get those words back. Like yeah. I can't replace that, but like shoes and clothes, I can always find that stuff. But I just have, I am a cancer for one. And same here. I don't know. I'm a lefty, so I'm going to attribute this to that too. But my memory is like an elephant. I remember everything with such vivid detail. So I think I told you, God knows what he was doing when he made me because he knows that I'm like a, a mushy, sappy person inside. Mm -hmm. So he made it so that I can have these vivid pictures in my mind to keep me sane. I like know everything like i can remember what it tastes like i can remember what it looked like i can remember what it feel like and so for me the sentimental value comes when i get back to that place mm. and knowing oh my god i wore this for my wedding or those um that shirt was for me and my husband's first date but do i need the item no because the memory even in the picture puts me there like it's really that crazy yeah 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 that's powerful and I'm glad to hear there's a fellow cancer here on the podcast. So if the two of us crying, no one will be worried. They'll just be like, not nah, typical. Um, typical cancer. <laughs> um, I actually recently found out that I'm a triple cancer, which uh, is overwhelming to a lot mean? of people. I'm like it's like your moon, your sun, and your rising signs. You're, there's all these different signs now. I'm, yeah, well, I guess apparently they've always been around, but yeah. So I'm not sure. So you live it. in all three spaces for Cancer. Yeah. So you know, like, yeah, I'm really big on astrology too. Like, yeah, I, yeah. so you're finding out a ton of things about me in the first five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. So woo. Man, well, I knew we, what kind I'm, of energy? What kind? All the energy. All the energy. Well, I knew I knew I was going to like you. Obviously, when we met back on Clubhouse, I, I did start to like you. But I knew I was going to like you in the middle of this our conversation we've already had because uh, you've already said white chocolate five times, uh, and uh, that's my that's my <laughs> MC name. So um, no. really? <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be mad at you if it was. I'd be like, go ahead. <laughs> Somebody got to take it. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, Talisha, you talked a little bit. You started to allude a little bit, like back to your childhood and moving around a lot um, tell me tell me a little bit about your childhood what uh you know what what stuck out to you what was what was young talisha like well i feel like how young talisha has molded grown-up talisha which i still am like i'm not a grown-up i'm still a kid because i still need my parents um uh it it's molded me because back then i thought moving around was like the worst thing ever in life like you yeah. lose everything you you can't you don't have a space you don't have like the neighborhood that you could be like oh that's my neighborhood you know all the kids kind of grew up in the same block and they lived in mm -hmm. the same spin for their whole life they went to the same schools and mm -hmm. i went to two elementary schools two middle schools two high schools but one thing that it has attributed to me today is my ability to talk to anybody anywhere yeah. so i tell you you know, I'm going to say this probably a few times, but God knew what he was doing. He did. <laughs> and I'm so excited that he's like masterful because really I hated it. I hated it. I hated having to make new friends. I hated having to like show up every time and, and be on and really give my whole self every single time because it was important to make friends. And yeah. I hated it. Oh my God, how much I hated it. But today I'm like, wow. What a gift it is that I'm not really attached to people, right? But I, mm -hmm. I'm attached to the right people. Like, I know how to make quality friends. Like, 
I've had friends that I've had in my life for pretty much since kindergarten. Mm. And saying that we've always moved around, but we always stayed in touch, you know? So as a networking strategist, I'm like, this is golden. I've been in training for this my whole life. I feel like I was in the army back then going through my, my boot camp situation, but this is my life's work. I've been doing this all my life since I was a kid. So it's really built me to be this, this camp chameleon, if I could say, yeah, like a chameleon type person where I could go anywhere and make friends with anybody and talk about anything because I just have experienced so many different things, which a lot of people are like, man, that's a bad thing. You know, like you, you moved around as a kid, you have worked all these different jobs, you've done all these different things, but I think I'm not afraid. I have like the most thing I'm probably afraid of stability more than anything. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <clears throat> as, as someone who's in a committed relationship with kids, um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the committed and that's a story yeah. in itself. It is. I, I told my husband, my husband could tell you, like we got together and I told him I, I didn't even want to talk about marriage for seven years because wow, of seven the, years. Yeah, so we yeah. waited. We didn't. We just got married three years ago, but we've uh-huh. been together thirteen. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. So I mean, it's a true fear. It's the, that of uh, that commitment and stability, mm-hmm. and just having to lock yourself down to one space. And that's because I'm a I'm a chameleon. I've been flying my whole life, and now you want to clip my wings? Yeah. What you thinking? That's not yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah. But he's a great f- flight partner. I mm-hmm. love it. That's we awesome. Fly together. You find yourself a nice co-pilot. Uh, <clears throat> that's beautiful. Now, you, you you tapped into this interesting idea of this this fear of uh, commitment, this fear of stability. You know, as someone who moved around a lot, uh, I get it. Uh, that that makes uh, that makes sense. That makes sense to me. I did not. I was one of those other people that you talked about. I went from the same. I was. I lived in the town of Sable my entire life from from birth until I went to college, um, and then and then I got out and went to North Carolina. Born and raised in New York, went to school in North Carolina, and so that was my first adventure. You know, outside of a summer camp here or something like that. Um. So so we grew up differently in many ways. <laughs> That's just the most recent example, but. As someone who bounced around, you know, you mentioned that's like, you know, I hated having to make new friends. I really hated it. But at the same time, it also sounds like you're quite good at it. Are you someone who do you identify as an introvert or an extrovert? I would say I live in both lanes. It yep. really depends on on my comfort level. And I think people ought to look at me automatically and they're like, oh, you're an extrovert. Hands down. You just, you know, it's, it's the title, the networking strategist. People just assume that I'm like some super connector and I'm like, I know everybody and, and you just want to talk to everybody and you get to know everybody, which is not true. I really, I told you earlier, I am like a hermit. I love being in my house. Uh I like to be in my own space. Um, I learned how to be extroverted, honestly, throughout my childhood because it was, necessity i needed to in order to survive if i was gonna have friends or if i was gonna be known in my school i needed to meet people like i couldn't stay a hermit (laughs) but if it was my choice i would have just stayed when i was a kid i would climb trees and go to the top and just sit in the tree for hours by myself like i've always just loved my alone time really so i learned how to be an extrovert And in like earlier, later in life, I just learned how to be extroverted with the right people. So Mm. I really learned how to make valuable friendships that have last for 20 plus years of friends and the quality of friends that I have. And, you know, I just was very particular in my friend selection. So I think I'm more introverted than people assume. Sure. But I have the ability to pop out when you You got the switch you can turn the switch on when you need to yeah Yeah, right yeah that's interesting i think it's it's cool because one thing that introverts are often very good at and i'm i'm a huge extrovert i don't know if i hide that well but um but uh (laughs) i'm uh i'm a giant extrovert but one thing that introverts often do quite well is that introverts are uh 
very selective at who they give their energy to and who gets their time. Um, and in doing so, introverts are also have this really innate uh, ability to almost find their people. Versus extroverts, it's like trial and error. Um, and extroverts, you know, want to be seen and liked, and uh, um, or just you know they they want to be a lot to a lot of people if possible. Um, and so. Um, but introverts are really good at being selective as to who gets their energy. And, you know, you have to get in with an introvert. You got to get into the circle. And if you're not in the circle, then, then it's not really happening. So as you, I don't know if there's something you've reflected back on, but as you moved from school to school, state to state, city to city, um, how did you decide, Oh, this person's going to be worth my time. I don't think I made that distinction early on. Okay. I just really was attracted to people who are weird. Like I love the weirdos. Like yeah. I just did. I always loved the kid that was like, I probably was more attracted to the introverted people. And so in scale, I was the extrovert in that situation. Right. Mm. But if you were to put me like, oh man, today I'm a public speaker. But if you, when my teacher asked me to get in front of the class and read, I would just have a whole freak out. Like it was just the worst thing that they could possibly ask me to do. And, you know, just the anxiety that would build up in me because someone said, speak to the whole class. I'm like, no, but if we had a conversation, I'm fine. I'm totally okay with that because there's comfort with just the intimacy of, of that interaction. So I don't think that I was strategic with my networking in school, but today I've learn how to home in on my introverted skills and capitalize on them and really, really be particular and build strategies on how I'm communicating and connecting with people and fine tuning the attributes that I want in my space. Right. But I don't think I was that smart (laughs) as a a lad. I don't think I had it then. I think I was just very interested in the weird. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I mean, I don't, I, I'll push back a little bit. I don't think it has anything to do with necessarily smartness or social, social smarts. Um, But I think it's something that definitely maybe, maybe you weren't doing it consciously, but it could just be something that's intuitively into you, right? Like you were just drawn, like you had your people and you kind of knew where to go and you're like, Hey, this is what I like. Um, And so I think that, I think there was some self-awareness. It wasn't just like dumb luck um, that played a role in it. Well, I feel like, you know, we, we're really awoke on, the self-awareness kick, but in when I was a kid, I was born in 1982. Come on. Who was like, oh, you're so self-aware. Today, if I reflect on it, I'd be like, yeah, I was I was hyper. I was such I was hyper aware, really. I mean, what six-year-old do you know who like can network the way I was doing when I was six? And uh-huh. really, when you ask me how did you start your business, I really had to sit and think about all that stuff. I wrote down all of the things that I knew when I was seven. (laughs) Like I really have in my Google Docs, I just started writing, like writing down my life track and how did I get here kind of situation. And the thing that was consistent was your ability in the network. So when I started to decide, hey, what do I want to do with the later half of my life, the second quarter, you know, 25, 30 years old, what am I going to do with my life? I said, you know, I'm going to do things that bring me absolute joy. And the one thing that I know that brought me joy when I was six was talking to strangers, like trying to get to know people. And it brought me joy. So I'm going to do that. So in the beginning of my business, I challenged myself. I was working in a restaurant because I was a server. My I got pregnant with my younger son. And, you know, I was like, I need more flexibility in my life. So why not? be a server. I could do it. I do it every day for my family. I serve them all day. I can do this and get paid. So I did it. I made tons of money, right? Mm -hmm. I rocked that thing because I just have this ability to talk to people and find out more. And so I, when I was getting frustrated, so the beginning part was my frustration. I always say I was so frustrated with how people were networking because people are just They get you. They really could get you. I I wish you guys could see the mm, that was happening. But I was so pissed about how people were handling other people. And I was like, this is not good. It was so frustrating to me. 
although I loved being in the server industry because, man, how many people do you get to meet in that situation? Yeah. Like, so many. But the way they were handling me, I wasn't comfortable with it. So I challenged myself and I said, well, self, you're an introvert. You know that. Like, talking to strangers scares you, <laughs> really. It does. Like, you like the familiar. So you got to challenge yourself to get comfortable with the unfamiliar. So I challenged myself to have 20 intentional conversations with strangers, just random people that I never met, never knew, and just talking to them about real life stuff. Like, tell me who you are. I want to get to know who you are to your core. Tell me what your struggles are. Tell me literally in the middle of a food court, we're having these life conversations <laughs> and I tallied it. I was like, if I can get to 20, I'm quitting my job. And I got to 20 and I quit. I quit the day I hit 20. I was like, I quit done. Cause I could do it. And from then I never looked back. And I was like, you know, this is strategy. Like if I can challenge myself to sit in a food court and talk to people about mm -hmm. their lives that don't know me and they're willing to do it. Yeah. I have something here. So let's go back home and get our white boy board out and start building a business. And <laughs> uh -huh. that's what I did. I started building a business around that activity. I just challenged myself to, to step outside of my own comfort and I've never looked back. Yeah. That's badass. That's really special. We're going to come back. I want to, I do have more questions about your business, but you just talked, you just touched on something that is, uh, is really cool in my book, but also really hard. You know, like, how do you, how do you get over the insecurity of new conversations, right? Because that idea that I'm going to sit down and talk to this random person and we're going to go in, right? Like that, if I told people that we're about to do that, they'd be horrified, right? Like I'm that, and I'm that person on airplanes that will make, you're going to take your headphones out and we're going to have a conversation, right? <laughs> that That's me, right? Begrudgingly to some people, um, but, <clears throat> but it's still, it still is like, getting over those stories. When we think about making connections with individuals, oftentimes it's the stories that we're writing that prevent us from connection, not the stories that they're writing. It's not that we're writing about them. It's the stories that we're writing about ourselves. And so your ability to be like, I'm going to talk to 20 random ass people. Um, and we're just going to have a conversation about life, about love, about fear, about whatever, whatever it is that you talked about them uh, with them, excuse me. How do you think you, rewrote some of the stories in your head to, to be like, I want to have, I'm going to go have a meaningful conversation right now. I think when I started to say this, this idea, I was just open. I was like open to the energy. Really? I don't know. It's hard to explain because it was an energetic pull. I would sit in the food court for like five minutes and then I would just feel magnetized to someone really and be like okay that's the person that you need to talk to because they're making connections with you already without even knowing it so and then when I started to study this like literally this was research for me because I realized that people are making connections before they even connect um and it's, it's an energetic pull, but there are signs that we're just not paying attention to. Like how many times have you walked past someone just in regular, just walking in, in opposite directions. And for some reason, your eyes connect. Mm -hmm. That's an opportunity yeah. for a conversation, but sure. sometimes we just p pass up a great opportunity to say hello to that person who connected with us. That was a, a genuine connection, but we didn't recognize it. How many times have you sat down and you can feel someone looking at you from behind? Yeah. But your innate behavior isn't to turn around and say, hey, right? You're just kind of like, why are they looking at me, right? So if we can act on our internal impulse, we can make a lot more connections with people who already are connected with us because mm -hmm. there was something that made them stare. There was something that made them, your eyes connect. There was something happening there that we're just not paying attention to. Yeah. I agree with that. I think there's, there's, as I look back on some of my closest friends that I have today, they are people who I kind of saw and just appreciated from afar, but I was like, I'm going to be friends with that person. 
I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if they know that, um, but like I'm, I'm a figure it out. Cause I know that they are worth whatever barriers may need to be crossed uh, to, to get to them. Uh, and so like I have notoriously just like stayed persistent with individuals and now they make fun of me today, but they're also very grateful that I did it. Um, and you know, they were, they were worth my time and you have the ability to sense that, Hey, I think, I think this person is worth, is worth my time. But, but Alicia, I would be, I think I would be remiss to say that, um, you are also a woman. I don't know if you knew that, but, um, but, no, uh, but no idea, <laughs> but like, there's also, I think there's an added layer of safety um, that women need to often uh, address uh, and, 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 you know, that, that is very present because there are some reasons why those per- people are staring at you. <laughs> that person is behind you being a little creepy sometimes. It's not just <laughs> like, oh, I wonder if we have a kindred spirit. I wonder, I wonder if they also like, uh, you know, air plants or something like that, right? Like there's sometimes it's, there, there is a little bit of, of safety that needs to go into it and you need to trust your gut on some of that. How, how would you speak to that? I think that, self-awareness is at the bottom line of everything. And, you know, you and I met on Clubhouse and even in a space where we're not even in the same state, you can feel bad energy. Like mm-hmm. you can feel it. I go into rooms sometimes in, in that app and I'm like, this room just is not my jam. Yeah. Something about it is making me feel creepy. I don't want to be in here. Right. And you know, I have a story. I got a a LinkedIn connection one time and, you know, I'm pretty friendly on LinkedIn. Somebody connects with me, I'll I'll send a message and say, Hey, yeah. And thank you for connecting with me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were chatting and he got a little weird and I was like, um, I'm sorry, but I'm totally a married woman. And yeah, we have to shut this down because this is not appropriate at any level this is not appropriate and i think it's just a matter of you knowing your own boundaries and how far are you willing to cross your boundaries and i think a lot of people get missed messed up in networking because they haven't set any boundaries so Hmm. boundaries need to be set at the beginning not in the middle not in the end they need to be set in the beginning and i think that is the difference between networking and connecting and then building that relationship honestly the relationship building part is the last phase because once you set boundaries you have a respect level a level of respect then we could continue to connect Based on those boundaries, we know that, hey, we we love to go out. We like to drink, but don't have me out out till nine o'clock the next morning, hung over at the toilet. That's not my jam. So we're not going to do that. (laughs) Right. And because you can respect those boundaries, we can then build a relationship. Sure, I'll hang out with you because I know that you're going to respect me and I could trust that those boundaries are going to be respected. And I think people don't think about that when they start to make connections or start to build relationships they just want to be friends and they're willing to do whatever it takes to get that friendship Mm -hmm. when it's not worth it at the end is it worth you being sick over the toilet because your friend wanted to have you take (laughs) jaeger bombs all night is it worth it no you know and we got to set those boundaries so i think when you ask the question about safety i think safety also is aligned with boundaries and if you Mm -hmm. create good boundaries you can protect yourself yeah yeah i agree with that and i think also you know our prior our prior lives determine where we set boundaries initially as well right because you know some some people been through some 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 serious trauma um and some people have not um and some people are unaware of their privilege and some people are um right and so like it's 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 interesting to see where we draw those boundaries why we draw them but being aware that there needs to have that we need to have an internal boundary conversation i think is a really smart thing that you mentioned like doing it doing it on the front end is also important because sometimes we don't know our boundaries until they're being crossed um and then it's hard sometimes it's hard to back up or it's hard to get out of it or you're in too deep or you're right like uh it's uh yeah it's 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 complex so trying to do it on the front end is really important so well i I don't think that we don't know our boundaries until they get crossed i think 
that we are more like our priorities are out of order, right? So for me, it's like, we know what our boundaries are. Like even little kids have boundaries, Mm -hmm. right? Have you met that one child that doesn't want to touch your hand? That's Mm -hmm. a boundary. They're like, I don't want to touch you. I have boundaries. Don't touch me. Right. I know my nephew's like that. He's like, yeah, my my little nephew isn't a kisser. He's like, don't kiss me. He doesn't Mm -hmm. want it. He has boundary. Don't kiss me. Little kids have boundaries. I think it's what happens to us is that we we prioritize being liked over setting boundaries. So we'll break our own boundaries just so people can like us and we will lower our own standards just to fit in. And that is social pressures, if you ask me. And you asked me about who was Talisha as a child. Very assertive. I knew what I liked. <laughs> I know what I don't like. I never let people cross my boundaries, even so far as my name. I remember when I was a kid, I would fight people around how you pronounce my name. Like, don't shorten it. Don't put extra letters in it. It is what it is. We would sit and have whole lessons on teaching people how to pronounce my name. And that's a boundary. Really, it is. Like, don't let people discredit your identity because they just want to say whatever they want to say. Mm. Not with me, honey. No, no, no. Right? But that's <laughs> no, no, something that, that that's something that was there when I was a kid. So is it that we don't know our boundaries until they're crossed? Or mm. are we not prioritizing ourselves to make sure that people respect us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That peer pressure stuff is tough, especially like, you know, with, with all the moving you were doing, the fact that you were able to stay that assertive as opposed to, uh, you know, wanting to be liked. I've, I've said on here a bunch of times, like one of my Achilles heels is wanting to be liked. And so there are moments that I have acted inauthentically because I thought I would gain something. And I think that is something that uh, a lot of humans do. And, and you kind of play this, you know, some people play this gambling game in their head where it's like, all right, well, if I, you know, if I just do that, then maybe I can get a little bit further. I can get a little bit closer. I can get a little bit whatever. Um, and, you know, I've, I've certainly done that as I've tried to make friends. I found myself even doing it recently. You know, we just moved to the Twin Cities um, two years ago. And, you know, making friends as an adult is weird, right? Everybody's got their patterns. Everybody's got their kids. Everybody's got, you know, we just moved to a new part of the country. And so everybody here already knows somebody from here or went to school here. And we're now that now I'm the new guy who talks funny. And, uh, and so <laughs> it is, uh, sometimes it's hard to break in with new friends. And some of that hardship is in my own head of like, well, am I deserving of friendship? Am I, uh, you know, like what, what kind of person do I want to be friends with and who should like me? And, uh, and, and all those kinds of things of like, you know, how much time do I have and who gets my time and those kinds of things. Um, and so you start to bounce all these ideas around in your head. Uh, and, uh, there's some peer pressures where you'll meet somebody new and you're like, all right, well, this person really likes bourbon. It's like, okay, well, I got to figure out how to like bourbon some more because there's, Bourbon doesn't need to be a barrier, but like, you know, like if I, if I could just tolerate bourbon a little bit, then I can have way more conversations with this individual. Right. Or, or and it doesn't have to be bourbon. Bourbon's an example. Um, it could be anything, um, yeah. you know, sports, it could be whatever. Um, and so, but it's interesting. Each one of those things is it's not a giant compromise in values or boundaries, but it is kind of a, you know, eventually you could have a death by a thousand paper cuts. Yeah, I was going to say it's the little things. It's all the small things that add up. And what happens is um, as humans, we kind of discredit the smaller stuff. Right. And then, you know, that thing you're married. So I'm sure you heard this. Like it's all the little things that add up to the big hills. Right. Mm -hmm. The strife in marriage isn't really the huge issues like, oh, we're broke. It's we're broke and you didn't put the toilet paper on the roll like that thing. You know, so it's the smallest thing that tips the mountain. And I think it's really figuring out what your personal values are. What small things irritate you? Because you got to know what your irritants are before you go and be in the world, right? You can't really know how to uh, maneuver the world if you're extra sensitive about every little thing that's happening. You have to understand what your sensitive points are so that you know 
it's a red flag danger zone. If I go there, I'm going to like put myself in, in hot water and I don't want to be there. So um, assessing your personal values is really important in networking, business or personal. And I don't think we do enough of it. I think we compromise on the smaller things. And then we feel like later on, five years later, we've compromised everything. And then we're like, I've given up my whole life for you. Right. And did you really, you just stop drinking whiskey and traded it for bourbon. You just stopped wearing a red shirt and traded it for a blue shirt. Mm. You know, you didn't really give up your whole life, but all of those little things that you've been doing added up to be a whole big life change. And that's when we start to have the pressure and the complaining and the irritants and the offenses because we've made all of these small compromises with these small things that we say, oh, that doesn't matter. I'll just have four shots of bourbon instead of drinking the tequila that I love because they want bourbon, yeah. right? <clears throat> um, so I think for me, I really do love options. So I'm really strict, right? I told you, I love Pepsi. I'm a Pepsi person. If Pepsi was a man, I would marry it. But not everywhere <laughs> sells Pepsi, right? We go yeah. and most places have Coke. So what do I have to do? I got to think of an alternative. What is the alternative to my irritant? Like, I love Pepsi. That's the thing that I absolutely love. But is there something that is comparable to that that won't make me feel disgusted every time that I drink it, like Coca-Cola? Dr. Pepper is my middleman, right? And mm. so I would drink Dr. Pepper, <laughs> right? In exchange for Pepsi, because it's still in my comfort. It's not a huge compromise. It's something that I can thoroughly enjoy. Do I enjoy it as much as Pepsi? Probably not but it's not going to make me vomit if I drink. <laughs> that was shots fired at Coke for those of you playing at home. All y'all Coke yeah. drinkers out there thinking yeah, you know something. Just, just uh, so you guys know, right? <laughs> just a little undercut for all the Coke listeners in the world. That actually brings us to uh, our sponsor for the podcast, Pepsi. <laughs> Uh, drink Pepsi responsibly. All right, no. Um. And Dr. Pepper, if you if you love Pepsi, you'll probably love Dr. Pepper. Too. Shout out to Dr. <laughs> Dr. Pepper is a phenomenal product. All was it 32, 36, 37? I don't know how many flavors are in there, but they're all great. They're um, all great. Either way, either way. Yeah. No, I uh yeah, I love I love the way that you just spoke about that. I love the way you just spoke about that. So it's interesting because you know you are you're an entrepreneur um, and you started your own business and that's incredible. It's also very on brand for you as someone who doesn't like stability. Um, you're like, well, what uh, path would give me no stability? Entrepreneurship sounds great. Um, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it was either that. Might or like, as well throw everything to the wind. Yeah, see right. What that or starving artist. Those were your two choices. Um, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so I I love that you kind of thought back to this place of, well, what did I like when I was in sixth grade or seventh grade? This is something that I think is a really cool career tip to give anybody who's feeling stuck. Go back to a time where you didn't think about life. You were just doing things because they made you happy. What made you happy then? Because chances are there's some nuggets in there for what you can now be doing today. And it's, you know, going back to like, for example, uh, when I was younger, there's a story that my mom always used to love to tell because I would sit on, uh, <clears throat> I would sit at the, uh, the stump on the corner that we grew up on. And I would just say hi to people as they walked by think, Hey, how are you? How are you doing? How's your day? What's going on? And like, so I grew up schmoozing and networking because it was something that I just loved to do. And so all of a sudden now we're in this place where it's like, well, James, what do you, what do you want to do with your life? You know, I was like, well, I want to make people smile. I want to ask people how they're doing. I want to care about them. Right. And I have a master's of counseling now. Um, and so it's so fascinating the way some of these little blips of that brought me joy when I was younger. What could I do today where I could bring people joy, maybe in a slightly similar way. Um, and so it's not like I was standing on the stump and orating to crowds of people like the professional speaker that I am today, but I was creating moments for individuals. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's, it's so funny. And, and so I love that you kind of use this same technique to figure out, well, what do I want to do? So I would love to have you tell us a little bit about the official glue, how it started and what you're doing and why it makes you happy. Well, okay. So that was great. So, um, like I said, I was a server 
I was frustrated and I had this aha moment in, in the restaurant where one of the, my coworkers, you know, I work with a bunch of college kids. Honestly, they were all in college trying to figure out what life is going to be. And I'm like the old person in, in the space. And I'm like, I know what life is like. I'm an expert <laughs> at life. Right. Yes. And so he comes in and he's like, I'm going to this advertising job fair, but he has on a blue button down, like a baby blue button down and khakis. And I'm like, wait a minute. Kid. Oh no! <laughs> Ooh, advertising? I would never guess. So then I was like, "Well, do you have your resume? Let me see it." So he shows me his resume, and it's just boring. I'm like, "Wow!" It's like nothing on here screams for me. If I was in the advertising world, I don't know if you would be at the top of my list of people who I would want to work for my firm because you're not even advertising yourself. Like yeah. you are going into the funnest industry. It's like the clown show. You could be the biggest clown ever. And people would be like, yes, I need you. And you choose on this day to show up as the most boring version of yourself. Why? And that was like, that was it. So people were like, find your why. I was like, why are you doing this? That was my why. <laughs> I don't know if that's exactly what they meant by that, but I appreciate it. Well, I found my why in someone else because my question was, why? Why are you doing this? And then I, I came home and I was like, I need to like, something in me says that I'm not supposed to be here. And I don't know where I'm supposed to be. So that's why I had to go and like write my life. I had to write my whole life. Like as far as I, back as I could remember, I wrote down. I was like, you know, when I was six, I remember my neighbor across the street just moved here and he was crying. He didn't want to go to school. And I was like an old person, right? Like in first grade. And I ushered him. I took him under my wing and I showed him the ropes. I walked him to class. I coddled him. I made sure that he was okay. And yeah. we were friends for a very long time. I'm sure if he found me on Facebook today, he'd be like, oh my God, I was just impacting people from kindergarten. So, and when I wrote down like my life events, I realized that's consistent. You've been consistently impacting people throughout your life. That was one thing that I saw that was a common thread. The mm -hmm. other common thread is how many people I actually know, like how many people I've actually come in community with and that I could remember. I was like, wow, there's a lot of people here. So you have an innate ability to make friends. That's something that you know how to do. So mm -hmm. you can impact and you can make friends. And then thinking about the things that people were always saying about me is, man, you could sell ice to an Eskimo, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> but I'm like, I hate sales. I hate yeah. sales. And I had to realize where the connection was for that. I don't like sales, but I'm passionate about things, things that I love. I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm. So if I could put my passion into my ability to make friends and impact people, it's a win, win, win. It's a You're win. Right. You're right. And so then we get down to the business name, which is was given to me. I didn't choose it. My customers at the restaurant would come to me and they would always wonder, like, you know, people come and ponder over the menu because there's so many options. What do I eat? Oh, I go back and forth. What am I eat? You want this, John? Are you sure you want the steak? You want the steak? I'm going to eat the steak. You want to get the chicken? And they would always do that. So I would take Sounds the menus right. away. I would, <laughs> I would take the menus away from people, and especially when they started going through that, like the indecisiveness, I would take the menu away and I would say, okay, let's break this down. What would you like to eat? Do you want fish? Do you want beef or you want chicken? Simple. Let's yeah. simplify this thing. Is it beef? Like, I feel like chicken. Okay. I have two dishes for you that I know I've eaten. I love them and I can recommend them. So I do that. And they would come in and they'd be like, you the glue girl. You just glue everything. <laughs> you make everything. Like you just make it all good. And I don't have to worry. You just glue it all together. And so when I decided to name my business, my, my grandmother used to say that about our family, our culture was to stick together. Yeah. All you have is one another. So your family is your friends. Really, mm -hmm. I, I have six cousins, seven cousins or something. And, you know, she would always say, 
you guys need to stick together because you all you got. So now we have her saying you guys need to stick together. And then my customer saying you make everything stick. It's glue. It's glue. It's glue. That's it. So the name was given to me and I love that people hear it and they kind of see it. It's not just something that I just said. It's something that I live. I'm the living form of glue. I'm fluid. I flow like the river and I am tacky. People want to be with me. They really love being close to me. And I'm a connector. I bond things together. I make one plus one equal to every time. I am the living and breathing form of glue. <laughs> that is beautiful. That's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> the official glue, y'all. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, not everybody has this gift that you have. Um, and there's a lot of people that get in their own way. Um, and we talked a little bit about this earlier, uh, but I'd be curious to hear, you know, what advice do you give to individuals who do get on their own way, who don't know what to say next, who don't, who can't come up with the question. You know, one thing that I <clears throat> have talked about on here before is that, you know, when it comes to networking, you have two choices, be interesting or be interested. The best networkers can do both. But you gotta to start. You gotta pick one or the other. And interested is usually the safer bet because it's asking questions um, and listening, right? Which takes a lot of pressure off of you. Interesting, you know. Sometimes people get in the way uh, when we when we talk to somebody who believes they're interesting. Sometimes they'll just talk forever and then they'll forget to ask questions, right? Um, but still, if you have you're a great storyteller, then you need to you know stick to your strength. And so I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on. How can individuals get out of their own way and get a little bit better in conversations? So I think that what I love what you just said, by the way, I might steal it. So I'll tag you, you in it if I you say it. Not, interesting you not, and interesting, you know, <laughs> that's the thing. If you want to be a great networker, you borrow things all the time. Um, but the, getting to the borrowing point, I always say that, you know, conf clarity brings confidence and confidence brings coins. That's mm. the cue, right? So yeah. when you are unclear about what you're doing and what you have to offer, it's very hard for you to kind of come into a room and shine, right? Yeah. Because you don't even know what the shiny penny is. You're waiting for everyone else to tell you, oh my God, that thing is great. I love it. But confidence is what people buy. They don't buy your products. They really buy the confidence behind the person who is selling the product. So if you're not clear on what your product is, it's going to be hard to show up and network that. So back to my offers, I run a messaging course and I always say the message is more important than the mission because if you don't have a good message, how are you going out there missioning anything? So the first piece of advice I would say to those who are struggling with the networking circle is get clear on what you're working, right? We go into spaces and we're not really sure what we're trying to do here. We say yes to all of these opportunities with no idea on what we want out of them. So get clear on what you are working. The second thing is you, you probably should do the more interested part of networking and become interested in the person that you are networking with. Yeah. Um, because someone in the room is interested in you. You don't have to fight for their interest. They're interested in you. You need to be interested in someone else. Mm -hmm. So, and what happens in networking is that everybody wants to be interesting. The whole room wants to be interesting and there's no one who's interested. So we're fighting for interest here. But when you become the person in the room who is interested, you become the most interesting person in the room. Mm. Mm. So become the most interesting person in the room because you're honestly shifting the energy in the room and making all the people want to know you because they're wondering why you want to know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it creates a little intrigue. Yeah. It's, it's a total shift in energy and the, you become the shift in energy. One thing I always say is become the more, the most resourceful person in the room. Yeah. So go in with the strategy of 
I know exactly what it is that I'm working in this circuit. I know what I want to do here. I know who I want to connect with. I know what purpose I have in this space. And then go in there and become interested in the most um, authentic way that you can, but find someone to be interested in. Find someone to ask questions. Find mm-hmm. someone who you want to like spend time with. And I b- believe me, the you know, when you are taken, it's just like dating, right? I'm married and everybody wants me. <laughs> right. uh, let's go as soon as you get a ring people just come out of the the woodwork come out are you available are you available and you got to turn them all down so it's the same way in in the networking circuit as soon as you show your attention to someone else everybody wants your attention mm-hmm. it's clear so use that in your networking but what are you saying? That's the most important part. So if you don't have a message that you're going to spread throughout that that networking circle, you're kind of losing the connectivity. So yeah. make sure your message is on point. Be interested in someone else. Take the focus off of you so that everybody can see you. And the last thing that I would say is really, really go in with a good, um, honestly, teaming. Go in with someone. Don't do this activity alone. Don't tag team it. Go mm-hmm. in with the friend. I take my husband sometimes. I take business partners. I always network with others. Why? And not only because you want to not be going in by yourself. That's awkward and weird and it makes people feel uncomfortable. But it's an added bonus because you have someone there who can talk about you. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's interesting. So you don't have to talk about yourself. So now you're curating interest in that room because you have someone doing it for you. You're doing the same for them. So if me and James were to network together, I'd be telling everybody how dope James is. And man, did you hear James's voice? (laughs) That guy over there, that voice, it's amazing. You got to hear it. You got to hear it. Have him say anything to you just so you can hear his voice, right? And James is on the other side of the room talking about, you you never met Talisha? She, She puts everything together. She's like the queen of networking. You got to go meet her. So we're pushing, we're forging everybody into our sphere because we're working together. So collaborating in the networking is a good tip as well. Yeah. Bring a, bring a wing person with you. Yeah. Everybody needs a wingman. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I apologize. I looked away for a minute, but I had to write this quote down. Clarity brings confidence and confidence brings coin. One more time for the people in the back, Talisha. That's a (laughs) a great quote. Uh, Yes. I love, I love the way you put it. I think networking is about the other person And, and what someone has talked about themselves for a while. If they are a good human being, they will naturally be like, well, you know, I've been talking forever. I haven't even learned anything about you. And they'll naturally swing it over to you. And you'll be like, well, um, just scholar. And uh, right. And so uh, I agree that starting interested, I think in life, it's just a life lesson, you know, start with curiosity. You know, we go in with trying to have all the answers and we're going to come out with uh, a brain the same size as we went in. And that's not, we're not, we're wasting our time. Um, And so go into rooms with curiosity, whether that's networking opportunities, business opportunities, classrooms, whatever, Um, coffee shops, right? Um, I think that curiosity is so powerful in that way. And I loved hearing you speak about it as well. Uh, there's there's so much in here. There's so much rich, richness in what you just shared, and I really appreciate your your quick masterclass on 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 that. It's really it's really incredible. Now you know people often get frozen with you know well, what, what what do I say and what do I do and what and, and something you actually don't know this, but I end every single episode of this podcast with the phrase of the difference between small talk and meaningful conversation is asking the next good question, right? It's asking a powerful question or yeah. punch small talk in the face by asking better questions. Um, and that is, that's the key. And if you go into conversations, it takes the pressure off of you of like, well, I got to I gotta figure out how to say my elevator pitch and my resume. And yes, you need to have clarity on those kinds of things about yourself, but no one feels right leading with it. It always feels better when we're asked about it. Um, and so if you want to get asked questions, you need to ask questions. Uh, yeah. And so uh, that's really beautiful, uh, the way that you spoke about it. And I really appreciate you. 
Oh, thank you. And you're right. If you want to get asked questions, you need to ask questions. And, you know, one thing I've, I find that people do a lot in networking, too, is even though, so we've all had this happen to us, even though mm -hmm. someone asks you, hey, James, so what do you do? And then you go on this huge tangent about what you've been doing and how you changed it from, you know, this thing that I was doing in my closet and now I have a studio and you're taking us on a 10 year journey over 20 minutes when we just ask you one question. And I think that is the nerve. And mm -hmm. so how do we combat our nerves? We got to talk in sound bites, people. You got to start shortening your descriptions. Why? Because it keeps people interested. A conversation is a two way street, not a mm -hmm. one way lane. And you have to allow segues in the lanes, like, you know, intersections. There has to be space for those intersections to happen in order for the conversation to keep flowing. People don't allow intersections in their conversation. Yeah. They keep going on the straightaway to, to wherever. <laughs> and, you know, how annoying is it when you're driving and you got to pee and the next exit is so many miles down the road. Always. It's Every like, time. Why? Why? <laughs> why is this happening? So imagine what is happening to your listener when you are going five miles a minute, telling them the story for the last 20 miles and they have to pee. Because that is literally the, the kind of energy that you're putting into people's pocket when you keep going and going and going and never ending. You're putting pressure on their bladder and you're forcing them <laughs> to have to go to the bathroom. This is perfect. <laughs> so think about that the next time you're in a networking situation and someone says, give me one minute, I got to go to the restroom. It's not because they had to go to the restroom. It's because you put pressure on their bladder because you wouldn't give space for them to say something to you. So create intersections. Don't make people have to pee, people. <laughs> Don't make people have to pee. Write that one down. Uh, <laughs> wow. That's gonna introduce that's gonna induce a whole nother level of shame now whenever someone's like, I just gotta run and go to the bathroom right now. But like, oh God, I made them pee. Uh, and not yeah, in a good way. Mean, like as, as someone who's funny, I love making people pee because it happens, but it happens in the moment. They don't have to go somewhere and pee. Right. Um, <laughs> this is a completely different thing. Um, but yeah, that is, uh, that was some sage, some sage wisdom right there. I mean, a little involuntary pee. That's involuntary. It's yeah. because you were so stimulated in that conversation that you peed. That's yeah. that's a good pee. But exactly. when you're literally holding your your the you know you got to go to the bathroom <laughs> and you're holding it because there's so much pressure. That's not good. It's not good for your urinary tract, nor nope. is it good for your networking. Nope. So don't hold your pee. Don't make people mm -hmm. hold their pee and don't make people have to run to the bathroom because you aren't giving enough space for them to just go. Yeah. 10 out of 10 urologists and 10 out of 10 networking strategists agree. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't hold your pee. Don't uh, hold your pee. Talisha, if you had told me that at the beginning of this conversation, we were going to end it talking about urination. I would have told you you're lying, but we nailed it, friend. We uh, we really we really came full circle here. Um, and, yeah, uh, we started in the bathroom and we're ending in the bathroom. Here we really go. Good. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, it has been such a pleasure talking to you and and just listening to your advice. You know, I'm someone who. Uh, I consider myself to be a pretty decent networker, but I'm writing things down over here. And it's just, it's just really special to hear your insights and your takeaways. And thank you for telling us about young Talisha um, and, and some of your journey as well. Uh, it is, it's just special to, to get to, to hear you and, uh, and your thoughts on this. Cause I think it's somewhere that a lot of people write a lot of stories about themselves. And I think you help people today um, with this. So I appreciate you fam. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm so grateful that you, you know, I reconnected and you accepted my invitation and you one up me by inviting me to come on here. And I'm very excited about sharing this out with everyone and keeping in touch with you because James, you're pretty damn cool. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs>
<laughs> no, I'm grateful for you, friend. I, I'm grateful. I told you I like the weird. I, I, uh -huh. I, I know a special character, and I feel like there's tons of unicorns out there. And gosh, I think I find all of the unicorns. Mm -hmm. I do. I love all of the things that sparkle a little differently. And you, my friends, sparkle a little differently. But people need you, and they need to hear you, and they need you to keep doing this because this is amazing. That's beautiful. And thank you. Uh, I, uh, I I love that. You know, it's it's funny. In uh, in elementary school, I used to keep track on a weekly basis of how often I was called weird, and I would be proud of it. Um, like, and I would be proud of like, oh, this week I got called weird more. And uh, I don't know what it was, but I just knew that weird meant different, and different meant not like everybody else. And so, uh, sure, my self esteem some days had different thoughts, but uh, I will take that as a compliment all day whenever you call me weird, friend, because. I am, in fact, weird. Me and too. I love it. And I love <laughs> and, it. And that, only weird people can be entrepreneurs. Normal people can't do this. If you're normal, you can't do this because mm -hmm. this is made for weird people. This journey of entrepreneurship is designed for people who just don't see things the way the world sees things. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're here to break the view. Um, we're, we're the little breath of fresh air in the suffocating world, I think. So I like the weird. I love hearing and being in spaces where I could just have really weird conversations with people and get insight. I These things kind of make me happy. I love this stuff. You know, I am so confined in conversations that I could do without for most of my days, you know? Yep. And that's 100%. because we have to do it. We got to go through the whole marketing piece and do all the things. But when you find people that literally make you warm inside, like a nice cookie, you literally eat it and you take it and you save it and you keep the little morsels in, in your pocket so you can have a piece later. And I feel like you're like a gooey cookie, James. It just gets better and better the longer you, you have it. So I'm going to keep the cookie. Let's go. Let's go. Get no dry cookies on this podcast. No dry cookies. Uh, <laughs> and how how good is it that we end on cookies when we started out with the main entree? We, we went back. all the way to dessert. So now we're, we're talking about way, cookies. All the way. I back. love cookies too. Sure. I would hope so. You yeah, Candy otherwise cookies. This, I mean this podcast is over no matter what. Um, but either <laughs> we would I would be really over if you didn't like podcasts. If you didn't like uh if you didn't like cookies. Uh Talisha, thank you so much for coming on. Uh we entrepreneurs short uh, certainly are the shepherds, not the sheep. Uh and so it's been so dope getting to hang out with you. I appreciate you. Y'all check her out at uh the underscore official underscore glue on social media and uh Talisha Joseph on LinkedIn. As she mentioned, she does a lot of work over there. Um, so please stay in touch with her. Thank you so much for coming through and kicking it with me today, friend. Oh, you're so welcome. Anytime. We got to do it again. Amen to that. Amen to that. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Y'all, that was my friend, Tolisha Joseph. We're out here talking about networking, getting out of our own ways, creating meaningful moments with other individuals that we sometimes don't wonder, wonder, excuse me, that we do wonder if we deserve to have those moments with. Um, and you do, my friends. You deserve to be in every single room that you step into. Uh, please know that. Please rewrite those stories that keep you from connecting with others. And until the next time, my friends, keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. You all take care. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Diner Talks with James. It was so much fun getting to hang out with you and finish our milkshakes in that squeaky red leather booth. <laughs> <laughs> if you do me a favor and smash that subscribe button, that would be dope. And also, if you could leave a review on iTunes, well, come on now. You're going to make me blush. <laughs> also, if you want to be a part of the action, we record these live on YouTube Live every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go to YouTube and type in James T. Robo and smash that red subscribe button so you know when we go live next. Also, while we're on the subject, I'm James T. Robo all over the internet. I post meaningful content on Instagram, witty content on Twitter. Let's get connected in some other places, folks. And as always, if you're interested in learning more about the guest tonight, please check out the show notes. My friends, until next time, keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. Y'all take care.